Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for the Steelers Retro Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. As always, my sidekick on these great adventures, or maybe I'm his sidekick, is Tony Defio. Tony, we're firing up the DeLorean once again. It's black and gold, and it's ready to go back to Steelers yesteryear to one of my favorite years, when I wasn't watching a lot of Steeler games, but the Steelers and the Pirates were on their way to championships once again. It was the city of champions, Tony. Let's go back to 1979. Hey, Brian, I can't wait. Yeah, that was the, uh, that was the pinnacle of the 70s, 1979. We, we are family with the Pirates and, of course, the Steelers. This is going to be a fun to go back and, and take a look at. What makes them even more fun, a lot of them are in Monday Night Football, and Frank Gifford, Dandy Don Meredith, and the immortal Howard Cosell makes it so much fun to listen to. I love checking out those guys. It was the disco era. Once again, it was the city of champions. And so much was going on as we were getting ready to turn the page to the 1980s in just a few months, as this was the last season that the Steelers had a championship in those 70s and for those amazing teams of that era. So let's go back to September 3rd of 1979, Tony. It was Labor Day. And on Labor Day, the number one song was My Sharona by The Knack. I know you love that tune, Tony. I actually know that one. They still play that regularly today. It's in play everywhere. Yeah, I, I, that's a great song. 
probably one of the top hits of 1979, the British band, The Knack. They had another song that went to number 11. It was called Good Girls Don't, but that was pretty much it for The Knack. They were supposed to be the next Beatles. They were not, but that (laughs) song made them huge. Here's something really cool. The Muppet movie was number one at the box office, but it didn't come out that weekend. It was in its 10th week of release, and that's something very rare. I got a chance to see this movie in the theater. Still one of my favorites. One of the first songs that my wife and I ever listened to together when we were dating was Kermit the Frog's Rainbow Connection that started out that movie. I'm very fond of that movie. I could remember going to that film and my reaction when I came home. I was so excited. Man, I I have to say the Muppet movie takes me back. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of Muppets too back then. I, I didn't realize that that it took ten weeks for that movie to get to number one. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty rare. That's uh, it's a pretty nice uh, little tidbit. Usually, a movie blasts off really, really high right away, and then it kind of fades. But for it to to gain that kind of momentum two and a half months in, that's pretty impressive. Sad news that weekend too, as Hurricane David hit the Atlantic coast, it did most of its damage in the Dominican Republic before it came to the United States. About a thousand people passed away. So very, very sad time indeed, Tony. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that the uh, destruction was that bad. That's, that's, uh, it's, it's pretty sad. Mother nature, I mean, it, 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 can, it can get us in all, in all forms. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah you, I'm, I'm glad I live in Pittsburgh. I'll say that. <laughs> that. That's very true. We don't, you know, we have to worry about the snow, but we don't really worry about hurricanes or tornadoes that very often. So, Tony, let's go ahead and look at this game. The defending champion Steelers were opening their 1979 season, looking for their fourth Super Bowl in six seasons, traveling up north to take on the New England Patriots, like we said, on Monday Night Football. They were going to be without Larry Brown and Ray Penny on the offensive line. Brown was out. Penny was on the injured reserve. He was gone for the year. So they had a makeshift line against a very tough New England defense. On the other side of the ball, the Patriots came into the season opener with a dual-threat quarterback, by the name of Steve Grogan, number 14, and they had an all-world tight end, Russ Francis, number 81. You might remember him with the San Francisco 49ers as well. He was the Travis Kelsey. He was the great tight end of the day, Tony. Absolutely. Uh, you talk about guys that were worried about their brand. He was a, he was a, that in, in the late 70s. He was he wore the fur coats. He he. he he flew an airplane. He, he did uh, after his career, or maybe it was during his career, he was doing wrestling play-by-play or, or color commentary. So yeah, <laughs> he was quite a character. But he's also a fantastic tight end. I knew none of that. I remember him coming out of retirement to play for the 49ers in the Super Bowl years in the 1980s and making a difference with them. So that's really interesting. You just told me something that I had no clue on. New England Patriots were also without all-pro offensive lineman Leon Gray, who they inexplicably traded just the week before to the Houston Oilers. The potent Pats offense was subject to being at a disadvantage now because of the trade against the Steel Curtain defense. The new head coach of the Patriots, Ron Earhart, a guy that you know, we all know in Pittsburgh for those 1990 Steelers as the offensive coordinator for that Super Bowl team in 95 and some of those great years when you had 
Barry Foster, Neil O'Donnell. You had a potent Steeler offense. He was the head coach of New England, taking over for Chuck Fairbanks, who left unexpectedly. And he was not very thrilled with the trade whatsoever, and he let it be known, but they still had a game to play. Tony, this game also marked the debut of Matt Barr, who was making his regular season debut, replacing Roy Jarella, who held down the kicking post the previous eight years. Barr kicked it off, and rookie Alan Clark took the kickoff at the eight-yard line and blazed all the way to the Patriot 45 for a return of 38 yards. On second and nine, here comes Grogan, moving the chains early with a pass to Harold Jackson, and a run by Sam Bam Cunningham. Does that name mean anything to you, Tony Defio? I remember the name. Uh, he was he was a legendary running back in my mind because I remember him as a little kid. Is he related to Benny Cunningham? No, another Cunningham who was also known for running, but at quarterback by the name of Randall for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, you told me something I didn't know. Wow, okay, cool. that's pretty cool. They described him as Larry Zonka, who was fast. This guy <laughs> was huge. He looks like a running back from today. He was a big, big guy. Think of Bettis. Think of those guys that will just truck right through you. That was Sam Bam Cunningham. I love the nickname Bam, and that's what he did. He had a good game here as well. Really interesting to see that guy. That's another reason we love these games, Tony. So let's let's keep it going. After being harassed by Jack Lambert, John Banizak, Steve Furness, Jack Ham, Rogan's mobility had Donnie Shell thinking run. Then he stepped up, hit the aforementioned Russ Francis on the run for a gain of 22 yards to the Steelers' 19-yard line, just like that. The Pats would then rely on the run and Sam Bam to the five-yard line. Then on third down, that man again, number 81, Francis got wide open with Glenn Edwards coming up on the blitz. Grogan found number 81, and the Pats led 7 to nothing. After the point after with 939 remaining in the first, just like that, the home team was putting a stamp on this game, saying that it was going to be tough for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely. It was, it was, they, they wanted to tell the uh, defending champions that this is our house and, and, and it's not going to be like it was in 1978. And the play by Francis, it, it, it was a great demonstration of his athleticism and concentration. And that's why he was one of the premier tight ends of his day. Following the kickoff, Sidney Thornton, the second-year man, came out with Franco Harris and started out with a gain of eight. Thornton was a big back and very talented. The announcers loved him, and he was a really good player for a short time for the Steelers. The burly Thornton was in for Rocky Blyer, who was nursing a sore shoulder. On a third and long... Harris moved the chains. Then on play action, Terry Bradshaw's toss to Thornton picked up another 15 yards for the visitors who were now set up at the 43-yard line. But the run game, well, it stalled. And Craig Colquitt came on to punt. And that pigskin went high into the air and out come the Patriots once again. The running brilliance of Grogan was highlighted early on the next drive when number 14 scrambled for the amount that matched his jersey number. But the quarterback from Kansas State rolled out, threw across his body, and Stanley Morgan got walloped by number 23, Mike Wagner. Wagner's hit caused a deflection that Jack Lambert plucked out of the air. 
Now, Lambert, he could get to the quarterback. He could pick off balls. But the guy I want to talk about here was Mike Wagner. This guy, we talk about Donnie Show all the time. Mike Wagner went to a bunch of Pro Bowls. And this guy was always around the ball, especially when we call games. One of those unsung heroes for the four-time Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers. Love me some Mike Wagner. Yeah, me too. So underrated, so steady. You're right. He made a lot of big plays during his career. The, uh, the, the fourth quarter interception in Super Bowl ten, And of course, a play like this. He was one of those players that uh, Steelers fans may not talk about very often, but if he, he was one of those guys, if he wasn't back there, you might, you might've, uh, you might've missed his, his uh, contributions because he was a very uh, uh, important player for that defense. On the next series, Bradshaw went deep to a wide open Randy Grossman, but a new England defender came out of nowhere to bat the ball away. But Bradshaw's completions on third down to Grossman, John Stallworth and Lynn Swan netted first downs. Swan made a spectacular grab and an even greater effort to hold on after getting spun in the air. It was vintage Swanee. The Steelers had a first and goal on the five as the quarter expired. Just like that, the game's moving on. On third and goal from the two-yard line, Sidney Thornton plunged in, but the score would not be tied when rookie Matt Barr shanked his kick and New England led seven to six. So after all those years of a struggling Roy Jarella, who you and I always talk about, well, they didn't get any better with Matt Barr in his debut season, Tony. An auspicious debut for the rookie. And all those years with Jarella missing those field goals and extra points and those important games we've covered on this show. And then the, the rookie does the same thing. It was a great play for the touchdown by Thornton. Uh, Webster and Sam Davis, uh, they threw great blocks. It was wide open. It was a huge hole. So it was it was, it was was a great way for them to respond after the uh, Titans, or I'm sorry, the Titans. The Patriots went ahead 7-0. But you're right, Matt Barr had to be wondering if his, uh, if his days were numbered already as a rookie. He ended up having a great NFL career, a very long NFL career, won a championship with the New York Giants, but only lasted two years in Pittsburgh before David Trout took over for him for one season, and then the Gary Anderson era began. But Matt Barr will always be known as a kicker that won a championship for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The following Patriot possession ended with a punt after a three and out to make matters worse. The great Russ Francis was shown on the New England sideline with ice taped to his right hand, but he would come back. It looked, though, as if the Steelers suffered the same fate, but a Bradshaw in trouble is a majestic thing as an under-pressure blonde bomber zipped a third and long pass to Betty Cunningham for a first down at the 44. But the Pats buckled down, and after two pass breakups and a Tony McGee sack, Colquitt came on to punt with a disappointing 29-yard effort. After the punt, the PA announcer welcomed a special guest in the press box, wide receiver number 84, Daryl Stingley. Now, if you're not familiar with Stingley, he was paralyzed by a preseason hit in August a year before after Jack Tatum of the Raiders knocked him down. It was a beautiful welcome to their fallen player, Daryl Stingley was back. He was working for the Patriots organization as a director of player development. This was a long delay to the game, but very nice as the Boston crowd, the Foxborough crowd, I mean, gave him a lot of attention and well-deserved for this heroic young man. 
Absolutely. It, it was an amazing uh, standing ovation and an amazing show of support, not by not only by the fans, but by, by his teammates. And, and it, it's, it's hard to believe that, that a play, something like this would happen in a preseason game, even in the late 70s. But Daryl Stingley, he rebounded his, and recovered as well as he could. And he went on to have a, a pretty decent life for himself. And, and certainly this was a special night for him, for sure. Grogan, under pressure from Elsie Greenwood and Steve Furness, threw a gorgeous pass to a well-covered Stanley Morgan for a big first down to the Steelers' 33. Then on third down, it looked like Mike Wagner had a sure interception, but a returning Francis ripped out the ball from his grasp for the catch. It was great. Francis pulled the ball away from him. It was an interception. He grabbed it, and he had his own catch, Tony. It was majestic. Meanwhile, on the sidelines, Bradshaw was heading into the locker room with the defense tightening up. The Patriots faced a third down from the 14, but Wagner broke through on the safety blitz and Grogan had to throw the ball away. Here comes Englishman John Smith appearing and hitting a 31-yarder for a 10-6 lead. Tony, so much going on here. Bradshaw's heading to the locker room with a bad toe. The Steelers are losing now at this point 10-6, and the Patriots look to be coming alive, especially with Russ Francis back. What do you think the fans were thinking at this point? I'm thinking if, if I'm a Patriots fan at that point, I'm thinking my team is in total control of this game. And it, it might have been even in the stats, so to speak, but, but the, the Patriots were, were clearly the, the better team at this point of the game. They, they clearly had control. They were clearly outplaying the defending Super Bowl champions. And I'm thinking that my home team's going to win this game if I'm a Patriots fan. So let's go to a break, Tony, and we will be back right after this for the exciting conclusion of this fantastic game from September 3rd, 1979 on the Steelers Retro Show. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is Tony Defio from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Tony, the Steelers are struggling in their 1979 opener on the road in Foxborough. And it's a game that they really need to show who they are after being battered and a lot of people out of this game. One of the guys also out of this game, we mentioned from the beginning, Larry Brown was out and Ray Penny as well, but guys were hurt. Rocky Blyer was out in this game, but we failed to mention Joe Green. Joe Green was hurt by tweaking his knee in pregame. So was Blyer as well. They were in uniform, not like today, if you're hurt and you're in a hoodie, but they were hurting and the Steelers really need to dig deep and have some guys that normally don't play play in this game, Tony. Absolutely. It's, it's one thing to open up a, your, your season on, on Monday Night Football on the road against a really good team. The, the Patriots are a really good team in that era. They had a lot of good uh, talent on both offense and defense. They almost made it to the to AFC Championship game in 76. Steelers are, are, are they're wounded. They have, they're missing several key players. Terry Bradshaw, their, their most important player, he's suffering with, with a, a sprained toe. So heading into the second half, it wasn't a good uh, recipe to, for, the, for week one, that's for sure. 
So Mike Krushek comes in, and remember he was 6-0 in 1976 when he subbed for Bradshaw, but really wasn't getting anything done. The Boston College product really struggled, and the Steelers ended up punting a few times. The Patriots answered with another field goal by Smith and enjoyed a 13-6 lead going into halftime. But the Steelers were defending champs for a reason. Larry Anderson received the second half kick near the goal line and found a gap to bring the ball all the way up to the Steelers 43 yard line. Bradshaw would return, but kept it on the ground with a nine yard dash by Franco and a six yarder from Thornton subbing for an injured Rocky Blyer. Like we mentioned after getting the new England 26, the drive stalled and Matt Barr came in to avenge his missed point after but Barr, well, he missed from 43 yards to the chagrin of Noel and Steeler Nation. The Patriots were looking to take advantage of the miss, but a Gary Dunn sack with help from Steve Furness stifled the red-clad Patriots drive, and Eddie Hare, who we would hear from a lot, came on to punt, but a cheap roughing call on Jack Lambert extended the drive. From three runs by Sam Cunningham and Andy Johnson, followed by passes to Russ Francis, netting first downs. But Mel Blunt's defense of a flea flicker and an illegal formation that negated a long pass play from Grogan to Stanley Morgan thwarted the drive. Meanwhile, Elsie Greenwood was shown getting his ankle iced on the Steelers' sidelines. Tony, they were dropping like flies. When it rains, it pours. Yeah, you're missing Mean Joe Green. Now you're missing Elsie Greenwood. I mean, how, how many more players can drop before, before Pittsburgh to remain in this game? But there's one guy that we mentioned before. We're going to mention him now again. Gary Dunn, filling in for Green, had a spectacular game. After a three and out by the Steelers, forced by a Gary Dunn sack, the Pats had to punt again. Late in the third quarter, a Lynn Swan fair catch started the Steelers out at the 31. But again, the Steelers couldn't convert after Randy Grossman rare drop on third down made another Colquitt punt necessary. I want to talk about Gary Dunn for a moment here. They mentioned, I believe it was Frank Gifford said, this is a guy that could be a star for the Steelers well into the 80s. And boy, were they right. He was an unsung hero, but back then, if you mentioned Steelers defense, especially in the 80s, it was Gary Dunn, number 67. I was uh, very aware of him. My uncle and I were, were big fans of Gary Dunn back in the day, and he was he did turn himself into a, pr a pretty important player for them all the way, as, as they said on the uh, Monday Night Broadcast, well into the 80s, and, and not just Gary Dunn, but uh, Steve Furness, John Banaszak, uh, these guys would play a huge role for them in 1979 as the Steelers we're dealing with injuries really all year. So yeah, Gary Dunn was a, a very underrated player for them, just like Mike Wagner. And, and he would go on to be one of their key defenders into the eighties. To follow the Steelers started out from the 20 yard line and TB 12 employed the play action pass for a 20 yard strike to Stallworth and a 16 yard score to Benny Cunningham. So it looked like offense was going to start to come alive for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But an overthrow and a near interception, followed by a Steve Nelson, Mike Hawkins, and Tony McGee collaboration for a sack of Bradshaw, halted a once promising drive. With Grogan and company pinned down at the four-yard line by Colquitt, the patch came out looking to put the game away. But Donnie Shell came on the safety blitz and almost got a safety. But Grogan just sneaked out of the end zone in the nick of time to save it. 
and they brought on the rookie to punt and he got the ball away and Swan, he was instructed to fair catch the entire game, but didn't do that here. He attempted a return and was driven back to his own 47. This was something that Chuck Noll mandated of Swan, who was the primary punt return man in this game to just do a fair catch. He had a, uh, he was dealing with a hamstring injury. And as we said earlier, they, they've, they've had, they were dealing with so many injuries in the, in the game. And the fact that it was week one, uh, you don't want to take too many chances. Uh, yeah, he, he was uh, definitely instructed the, the fair catch because of his injury. But yeah, you're, you're down 13 to six kind of late in the game and, and, and the Patriots are punting from their own goal line trying to make something happen. But the, the Patriots uh, special teamer made a great open field tackle on this play. It's late in this game as the clock is nearing triple zeros here, Tony. And the Steelers really have to get on the board. So it looked like they could. After the punt, Stallworth took the flanker screen from Bradshaw and was freed by a block from the great Sam Davis and rumbled 34 yards to the New England 19. Just like that, one play, look out. Here come the Steelers. Then comes Sidney Thornton. He bobbles the ball. And the great Hall of Famer, Mike Haynes, Hall of Famer for the Patriots and also the Raiders in the 80s, recovered the ball, thwarting the Steelers' attempt to get a touchdown and get a tie. The Patriots took the ball again. They were poised to close it out now. But Gary Dunn, with a third sack of Grogan, led the Steeler defense to force another three and out. Now, sacks were not an official stat, but this was sack number three for Gary Dunn. What a fantastic game. Nobody was saying, Joe Green, who? All they were saying is, wow, we've got something in Gary Dunn, like you just mentioned, Tony. On comes New England rookie punter Eddie Hare once again, who was busy avoiding the Steelers' defense all game long with pressure, getting the ball off. This time, forced with pressure, he did not get his punt blocked, but he shanked it for only 14 yards. And here comes an opportunity for the Steelers at the New England 34-yard line to start off their drive. With a 13-yard gain, Bradshaw hit John Stallworth. Then comes an opportunity for play action. Sidney Thornton found himself all alone in the end zone, Tony, for a 21-yard scoring catch. It was amazing. Nobody was around him. So he got some redemption from that fumble just a drive earlier. This was a good thing. It was his second touchdown of the game. The big deal, though was Matt Barr finally earning his first NFL point with a good kick after. With 4.09 left in the contest, the score was tied at 13. Tony, New England had all the momentum in this game. This was a pretty big deal here for Thornton to get redemption and for Matt Barr to get some of his own. Yes, uh, back-to-back redemption. And, what, and for Sidney Thornton, what, what a way to apologize to his head coach he did it through his action with it being, I don't know how he got so wide open. There wasn't another Patriot in, in his, uh, on the screen, but uh, I'm sure he was sweating it as he, as he, as he uh, watched the ball from Bradshaw come in, hoping uh, he would catch it. But yeah, it was a, it, it was a, a great way to redeem himself on this play. And, and it was a great way for the uh, rookie kicker, Matt Barr to redeem himself with the extra point. And the Patriots, they had to be, they had to feel pretty demoralized. You're dominating the whole game, at least on the scoreboard, you're feeling in control. And just like that with less than five minutes to go tie game. They were dominating on the ground with over 161 yards rushing in this game. 
to this point, it was absolutely amazing. And you're right, they could not get anything done. And they went back to the ground through the legs of Andy Johnson. The Patriots quickly moved down the field again into Steelers territory, but the defense of the Steelers stifled Grogan again, and Hare came on to punt again. Inside the two-minute warning, Bradshaw and the offense looked to get Barr in range for a game winner. Stallworth caught a pass for a 16-yard gain before stepping out of bounds, but a sack of Bradshaw followed by another sack killed the drive. With 35 ticks remaining on the clock, an intentional grounding brought Colquitt back in deep in his own side of the field. He was set up at the 10-yard line. It looked like the Patriots were going to have really good field position, and they did, starting out at the Steelers' 43-yard line with 35 seconds remaining. But Grogan, under great pressure yet again, missed a wide-open Francis in the middle of the field, 20 yards downfield. Then... Tom Beasley and John Banasak sacked Grogan for a five-yard loss. It was a bad day for Grogan, Tony. A Hail Mary attempt by Grogan stopped the clock. With one second left, they tried it once again, and it was a long heave that was picked off by who, Tony? Our main man, Dwayne Woodruff. This was his rookie year. Uh, we, we remember him when he was a veteran, but this was his, he was baby Woodruff in, this, in, this, uh, in 1979, and it was it was it was a big play for him to uh, keep to send the game into overtime. It looked like he could have gone all the way, but he stumbled around midfield. It was an awesome return for him. He could have ended the game right there, and it would have made him a legend as a rookie in his very first game. But an interception in a great career for number forty nine was absolutely awesome. The home team won the coin toss, and here you go. Back then, it was sudden death. And they set up shop at their own 27. But the Patriots' offense was stagnant, and Grogan was booed after Wagner had great coverage on Stanley Morgan. Starting overtime at their own 31, it was the Steelers with a handoff to Harris for four yards, then 17 by Thornton, and five and 16-yard runs by Harris once again. The black and gold were closing in on getting the scoring range for Matt Barr, but... There were a lot of nerves because at this point he only had one good attempt out of three in his entire young career. But Thornton was shut down on third down and the Steelers called on the struggling rookie for the win from 41 yards out. After being iced by Earhart and New England, Barr broke the hearts of 61,000. And what did he do, Tony? He split the uprights from 41 yards away to win the game. The rookie uh, he comes through again uh, after his, uh, an inauspicious beginning, and, and he makes the extra point to tie the game in, in the fourth quarter, and he makes the game-winning field goal. So it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And it's one of those things that you have games that you aren't pretty, but you finish the right way. You're struggling the entire game, and that's what championship teams do. Not only do they win – but they win ugly sometimes and they have to get lucky. And that's exactly what happened to the defending Super Bowl champion and the eventual Super Bowl champion in this game, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was also the 100th career victory for Chuck Knoll at this point. The Steelers escaped this game by a score of 16 to 13 in overtime. The Patriots weren't the Belichickian Patriots that we know then, but watching this game, I loved 
watching them beat this team. It just felt good, especially doing it in that beautiful stadium, Schaefer Stadium in Foxborough, Tony. I couldn't agree more. And championship teams, they're almost as much as character as they are talent. 1979 would be a very challenging year for them as far as, as we mentioned earlier, the injuries and they had a lot of, they, they led the league in turnovers that year and, and they kind of struggled on the road. But yet when it was all said and done, they found a way to win that, that fourth Super Bowl. And it all started on this day on September 3rd, 1979, when they took out the uh, very good New England Patriots team on the road. And they had to get lucky throughout that year. Like you said, they had to do it again in the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams in Pasadena, California in January. So, Tony, a fantastic game to talk about, one I never got to see live, but I remember hearing about it the next day, feeling really good about it. But now that I get a chance to go back and watch it, well, once again, a special, special team. So I want to thank you, Tony Defio. This was a very fun time. Once again, it's the Steelers. It's the Retro Show. Tony, great job as always. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun. And, I, and like you, I love going back and watching these, these 70s games. It's like you're watching it for the first time. Well, you are watching it for the first time, at least in my case, because I had never seen this game before. For Tony Defio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. You could take us away. We don't mind, but you better promise us we'll be back in time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. <laughs>